morning, we're going to talk about the blessed life of being in relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the test of life that God gives us. And, you know, he gives us that testing that we grow in strength and we grow in him and in relationship with him. And it's more about the testing of the heart and the testing of the faith than anything else. But in that test, God comes forth true and he works in our lives. There was a man some years back in England and he cared for children that nobody else thought were worth anything. But we know from Scripture that little children are precious to Christ. The children were dressed that morning and they were ready to go to school, but there wasn't anything for any of them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed the gentleman running the orphanage. She said, George, we have 300 children in the dining room and I've sat them at the table. George said, good. And he sat down and he thanked God for the food and he simply waited in prayer. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and I baked three batches for you. I will bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage that George ran, and the milk was spoiled by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some milk. And George Mueller smiled at the milkman as he brought in 10 large cans of milk. And these were huge cans. It was just enough for the 300 children. You see, George Mueller touched tens of thousands of lives when no one else cared. And 300 children were given exactly what they needed that morning. I could go on for hours talking to you about men and women of faith who believed in God through prayer and saw the amazing things that God could alone could do. And that's why this morning we're going to talk about the blessed life and the testing of our faith and our heart and the testing that God gives us so that we can grow in him and faith in him and believe in him and know that he'll do amazing things to those who are totally given to him. So this morning I want to ask you a question. Who will you thank for the blessings in your life? Who has the power to bless your life? The source of all blessing, right? Our God, our Lord, and our Savior, the one that we can trust. But how do those blessings come? Well, one of the major ways that we're going to discuss this morning, I believe it comes through the word of God. And if you've hung around here at all, it, it comes from adhering to that word, not only listening, but hearing and acting upon that word. James talks about that faith without works, faith without actually taking your hands and feet and going out and touching somebody really amounts to nothing. This week, one of the sweet Christian gals at my work came to me and said, Mel, there's this young single mother. She has a two-year-old and her car's broken down. I'm just trying to get her in school. I just need to get six school credits paid for and She doesn't have any food. And the other day, I was transporting her and her little two-year-old. And the two-year-old was going, nah, 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 nah. She was talking and she wanted a banana. And mom said, I don't have a banana. And that lady stopped and she got bananas for that child. And then she went to our, our food closet at my work and, and she got food and she took it to that child. And then I called up a, a mechanic and I said, can you look at this car because she needs transportation. You see, George Mueller wasn't the only one that needed faith. We need faith to know that what God asks us to do, we need to take our hands and feet through that faith and do it. But God's going to test us in that. He's going to ask us, are we really willing to be subject to him? And if you've hung around at all, you know some of my favorite Bible verses. And one of them is John 14, 21. And I love the very first word. Oftentimes you can go to a Bible verse and the very first word speaks amazing amounts of things. John 14, 21 says, whoever. The only qualification is whoever has my commands, my word, and obeys them. Actually takes and does what he says. That's the person that loves me. And whoever loves me, 
I promise you, is going to be loved by the Father. And here's the cool part. Whenever there's an asking of obedience, when you in faith obey, God does something special. And the last part of that verse, and I too, Jesus Christ, will reveal myself to you. Have you had Christ reveal himself to you? Maybe through something that he's asked you to do. You see, I believe that we can look at scriptures this morning. And if, if you take notes, I'm going to have some scriptures for you to write down. Because we're not going to have time to go through all of them this morning. But all of them speak volumes. The first one is Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And in this, this section, God's actually talking to us about worship. He created worship for us. He created us to, to, to give our love back to him because he first gave it to us. You see, sin is really only selfishness, self-centeredness, our caring about us and not anyone else. That's really how simple the gospel is. And in those verses, they talk about some incredible principles. And, and back in that day, there was what they called an ordinance. An ordinance was ordinary principle of behavior. So if there were certain ordinances that God asked you to do, he was saying, I'm simply asking you what's reasonable of you, and I'm asking you to act like you normally would act if you were obeying my word. The law of the heart. The law of the heart. What does it require? Well, if you'll read Malachi 3, 8 through 12 later, it tells us that God says in there something he's never said any place else in Scripture. Feel free to test me. That is, that is a bold, gutsy statement where God says, go ahead, see if I'm really real, like George Mueller did, like this sweet young lady did, this, this teacher at school, and said, yeah, I know, God, you're going to come through. I know God's people are going to respond to the need. You see, God says the first word, see, because he wants us to open our hearts and our minds to him. And he says, see whether or not I, the eternal commander of heavenly armies, will open the windows of heaven to you and pour out a blessing until your needs are completely satisfied. And not only that, but they flow over so you can touch the lives and needs of others. And he says in verse 12, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight. Is your life a land of delight to others? So I often talk, talk about biblical principles you can write down. And the very first principle is that, that giving back to God, tithing to God is a test of our heart. Do we trust him in faith? Do we really believe that he's there and that he can meet those needs? Let me ask you a question. What's the opposite of faith? You can be participatory. Fear. Exactly. It's the antithesis of faith. When you have faith, it casts out all fear. When the light comes, the darkness flees. And we know that fear comes from a couple of areas. One of them is when we've been hurt, when we've been injured. Something in the past that really wasn't right. We begin to put up this wall, think this wall is going to protect us. But really, it only serves the enemy's purposes in our lives. It keeps those away from us who can speak into our lives and love in our lives and give into our lives. See, so it keeps us captive. And God says, no, I want to set the captives free. I want that fear to be replaced with faith. I want to heal that hurt. That is an incredible book that I'm going to really, really encourage all leaders to read. Ben knows what the name of this book is. It's a book I want to make sure it goes into your hands, and that's unoffendable. That we learn to trust God and realize that the things the enemy meant for evil, God's going to do good in your life. 
Number two, the enemy of our soul wants to destroy us. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I came to give life and that more abundantly. One version of the word ordinance, that principle of normal or ordinary behavior, it says, hey, I'm just asking you to do what's reasonable and watch me do the rest. I want to give you a testimony. And this is something that I want to help you understand that you need, sometimes there's callings, and those callings are very, very distinctive. And maybe you don't even looking for them, but they come into your life. And my wife and I were in California we had the privilege of working with a group called Global Outreach or Go Missions. And uh, we, uh, at one point, were called to just leave my secular job and to trust in faith that God would provide. We had, at that time, four children, and they were all very small. Um, I think probably by that time, four, six, ten, and something like that. I mean, they were, they were small. Mom knows. But in that time, in that specific calling, I want you to think about something that's very significant. And that's that God is able to make a way when there seemingly is no way. You see, we had no income for 10 years. People would walk up to us because we were reaching out with food banks. We worked with Love in the Name of Christ. We worked with Global Outreach Missions. We, we worked with... Uh, Arlene Campbell, who did shipping supplies of medical and sustained the entire Ukraine. And we worked with our hands. If somebody wanted a stump dug up, my wife and I dug it up. In fact, we washed windows where she was pregnant until I said, no more, are you getting on that ladder? But people would walk up who didn't even know us. And I, I'm telling you, this is a specific calling, and I didn't ask for it, but God knew I needed it in my life to learn to trust him. Because later on, you know, I, I, I might be called into prisons or wherever it might be, and people would walk up, they didn't even know me, and say, hey, here's a check. I'm like, what for? For you. God told me to give it to you. You see, he's very real. God is incredibly, incredibly real. And he wants to work in your life in such a way that it'll astound you. But we have to have that faith to trust him. So I'm going to talk about something very interesting today. I'm going to talk about the significance of numbers in the Bible and the meaning of the number 10. And there's lots of different numbers that have tremendous meaning. But this shows you how incredible the Bible is. Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting the Bible. And, and it's kind of an art and science both put together. Where you want, begin to understand the scripture through certain principles of interpreting the scripture. So that you know that you need to take it into context. And maybe the culture or the history of the people or whatever. But the designation of 10 comes 79 times when it talks about 10th. And, and whenever there's multiple mentions of something, that's incredibly important. But it comes 242 times when the number 10 itself comes up. So God really is into this number 10. In Genesis chapter 1, we find the phrase, God said 10 times, which was a sign of his creative power. 10 times he spoke because he gave 10 commandments. And a 10th, therefore, represents man's responsibility to keep those commandments. But it gets better than that. The Passover lamb was selected on the 10th day of the first month in Exodus 12.3. As was Jesus, the lamb that was, takes away the sins of the world. Imagine 10 came into not only the Passover, but exactly the same thing into the Lord Jesus Christ. God was saying, yes, I want to tell you something here, but I'm going to tell you something even better here. Day of 10 is the number of the seventh month. There's also a holy day known to the Hebrews as the day of atonement. And that was a unique day of fasting as we're starting right now. 
a day of fasting that pictures the removal of the enemy of our souls and the author of our sin. And that was before Christ came. The last great ruling kingdom was going to be destroyed because of the Day of Atonement. We have atonement through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. See, 10 is important. And we're living in a prophetically rich time. I tell people, and I don't think they understand because maybe they're not paying attention to what's going on around them, but we are probably living in the most exciting time since Jesus walked on this earth. That means the opportunity for us to trust him and go out and see lives changed is amazing prophetically. Prophecies are being fulfilled left and right that it may be a soon second coming of our Lord and Savior. And the scripture teaches the truth of God's word. And it's amazing to see what he does to it. So biblical principle number one is tithing is a test of our heart. Do we trust God in faith? But biblical principle number two is God invented giving. In John 3, 16, and Rob talked about it this morning, God gave because he loved. I want to hear it. Loved you cared for you so much that he sought you out specifically and knew what you could do in your life. God gives through love. John 3, 16, Galatians 3, 13 through 14, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2, and you can get me these afterwards, but I want to tell you this is scriptural. Deuteronomy 26, 13 through 15, Deuteronomy 15, 20, Hebrews 7, 8, 1 John 3, 18. It goes on and on and on because it's a principle of God that everything is done out of love. So I want to give you a fun test of biblical knowledge this morning. I want you guys to respond. Because, you see, I, I believe God invented math. And for us that are mathematically challenged, <laughs> I know that's, that's really difficult. But, but God, my wife's really good at that, and she tutors me and the kids. <laughs> so I love the way that God uses numbers. I love the way that he speaks through his scripture in so many different ways. So the very first biblical question is, what does a tithe, tithe mean? What's a tithe? Ten percent. Ten. Number ten, right? Okay. Biblical question number two, how many plagues were there in Egypt? Or to put it another way, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten. Ten. Exactly. Biblical question number three, how many commandments were given to Moses? Ten. Ten. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're getting it. You see, there's a pattern, right? Okay. Number four, how many times did God test Israel? Ten. Okay. How many days was Daniel tested? How many times were Jacob's wage changed? How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelations? Ten. It gets even better. You see, because the fun fact is that the, the tithe was kind of a two-way test for them. God not only tests you, but he, he's places in Scripture, he says, test me and see if I'm really real in your life. See if I'm pure. See if I'm trustworthy, he tells us. See, he's saying, see if I love you and want you to be blessed and have a blessed life under the banner of my love and my faithfulness. That's what he's really saying. God is faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. You guys might as well start memorizing some of my favorite verses. For the steadfast love of our God is new every single morning. And great is his faithfulness. And he's no respecter of persons. What he did for George Mueller, what he did for my life, what he'll do for you is amazing. He's faithful because of the steadfast love of the Lord. It never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning that you call out on him. But are we faithful in returning that love? That's the question. Is God saying, are you faithful to me? Some people say that, that testing is, you know, something that 
you know, maybe we should be concerned about or maybe we should worry about, but God's saying, no, take my test and find out that I love you so much that I'm going to do amazing things that absolutely positively astound you. <clears throat> Giving of our lives is an act of worship of our heart. And it's eternal principle. It's a, an ordinary way God expects us to return the love that he's given to us because he not only wants us to return it, but he wants us to give it to everybody around us. Joshua chapter 10 is an amazing chapter. It goes through verses 44, 43, and, and I'm going to ask you a question. If you're biblical scholars and you've looked at Joshua chapter 10 and verses 40 through 43, here's a question to wonder about. Have you ever thought about why Joshua was not allowed to take away any of the spoils of war the silver, the gold, the clothing from Jericho after they conquered that city? It has to do with tens. You'll find that they fought ten battles for ten territories. You know, one of the principles this morning is we're expected to go in and take territories. In September, we expect to see all of you down in Phoenix because they're opening up another fellowship. Because we, see, we, we follow a man of vision who's on his knees all the time, fasting and praying and seeking God. And God told him, in 10 years, you'll have eight more fellowships bringing in souls. Because, you know, we might need to actually get active. The time might be close. So the first battle was Jericho. Then Ai, Ai, Makeda, Libna, Lachish, Gezer, Eglon, Herbon, Debir. And from Kadesh, Barnea, even unto Gaza. But Jericho was one of ten cities. In other words, it was a tie that was a tent. Because it was one of ten cities, it belonged to God. It belonged to God. God says, this is mine, and it wasn't about the money. You can leave the gold and silver. Why did you conquer this city? Why would we go out and tell others about the love of Christ? Because they need to know that they can be set free. Isn't it amazing? Look at God's word. It's absolutely amazing. The other nine belong to you. You know, take the other 90%, but that tenth belongs to me. I want the souls of that city. I want that city to be free. Israel is not supposed to touch the wealth because it belonged to the Lord. One man, however, named Achan, refused to honor the Lord and his tithe, and consequently the entire nation of Israel lost the next battle at Ai. You see, God doesn't want you to lose your battles in this life. He wants you to be victorious through Christ. If you can trust him, you'll find that he's faithful. When Joshua found Achan withholding some of the clothes, silver, and gold from Jericho, he said, hey, man, this isn't good. This is bad news. That theft of the tithe brought a curse on his family and on the nation. So here's an important biblical principle. God is not after your money. Believe it or not, we're not talking about money today. We're talking about your life. We're talking about, do you trust him with everything that's in you? God is after our heart. He's after our heart. If he has our heart, then he knows he can do amazing things through us. He wants to test us to learn that he's trustworthy. I want to encourage you today to believe God and put him first in your life. God has a marvelous plan for you. Pastor and I talked extensively last week, and I'm going to really be encouraging and testing and really coming forth and saying, leaders, servant leaders of this fellowship, do you believe God? Then let's get into the scripture and let's see what God will do through you because the pastor cannot pastor eight churches. 
He needs under shepherds that believe and trust in the word of God that are willing to expound it with the love of God, with the generosity. One thing about bridges, we talked about generosity. That is one of the major tenets of this church. We don't collect money for ourselves. We collect the, your, your giving so that others can be set free, whether it's teachers that can't afford supplies, whether it's children that are foster care and have nothing but a bag and we give them actual nice new backpacks, whatever it might be. God's saying it's about them. It's not about ourself. It's about the Christ that wants to be in the lives of so many. I could get kind of excited about this. Genesis chapter 14, verses 17 through 20. You know, we're talking really about believing God and putting him first in our life. And Genesis talks about this because there was a man there named Melchizedek. Interestingly enough, he was the king of peace. Who's the king of peace? Jesus. And he brought out bread and wine. What's that signify? Communion. Amazing, isn't it? He was a priest of the God Most High. Who's the priest of the Most High? Jesus, right? But also you and I. 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9. But you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people. You have been set aside for God. Read 1 Peter 2, 8, 9, folks. You're the under shepherds. Every one of you is a minister and has a specific calling. And maybe not to go 10 years without salary, but, you know, you have a calling. The book of Genesis, Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. His name means king of righteousness, king of peace. Doesn't mention a mother or father or descendants. Don't record his birth or death. Isn't that amazing? He could say he might be a Christophany, the first appearance of Christ, the eternal priest forever. And Abraham honored him with a tithe. So Melchizedek must be considered, they said in scripture, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 4, Superior even to the patriarch Abraham. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham because Abraham trusted God and said, here, I'm giving you a tenth of all of this. Everything. Including my heart. Deuteronomy chapter 26. And by the way, that was 500 years before the law. That was 500 years before the law was given. Deuteronomy chapter 26, offering first fruits and tithes. We're the body of Christ. It's not this building. We're the church. So there's going to be eight more groups like us throughout this state because this group wants to let Jesus know that we are willing to serve him and reach lives. Pastors reaching out into the prisons and amazing things are happening. Biblical principle number four, the tithes and offering of worship before the Lord. We're saying to God, we love you. We appreciate. We give unto you because you've first given unto us. And we know that we love you, Lord God, because you first gave to us your love. So the first principle we talked about, with it's, it's a test of our heart. Do we trust God? The second principle was God invented the giving. It was his idea because of love, because he's the author of love. The, the third principle is God wants to test us for us to learn that he is trustworthy. The fourth principle is a tithe is an offering of worship for the Lord. And the fifth principle is tithing is a blessing to the worshiper. We were blessed by the worship this morning. Amazing words, and they were scriptural words. And I felt the presence of God. You see, God wants us to realize that our lives are to be a worship to him because of what he's willing to do for us. The Israelites came to understand that. John 15, 14 says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Will we love him enough to love others? Imagine if I had uh, Carol and I was going to go away on a missions trip and, and, I, and I really want to, to like Nepal or, or my 360 where we make sure that children have shoes. And, and I asked three of my brothers, my Andrizo brothers, that I can trust with my life to come up. And I said, hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 a month and I'd like you just to give $1,000 to Carol to take care of her. Pretty good deal, right? It really would be. And, and imagine that I come back from the missions trip after being away for some time, and I say, honey, you know, how did it go? And she said, well, you know, Brother A gave me $1,000 a month, and it was such a blessing. You know, I was able to pay the bills and all that kind of thing. And Brother Bay, Bill gave me $2,000 a month, and, and I said, well, why did he do that? She said, I don't know, but I was incredibly blessed. And I said, well, how about Brother C? And she said, well, hesitatingly, kind of, well, uh, the first month he gave me 700 and the next month 400 and then nothing. How would I feel? because my wife wasn't maybe cared for. But you see, you are the bride of Christ. God wants us to care for our community. Our thing is generosity. That's why we say, hey, if you're a first-time guest, don't worry, don't feel obligation. We want your heart to feel the presence of God and know that he's real. He wants to touch you. He loves you. He tests us so that we'll grow and strengthen him he wants us to have that blessed life. Biblical principle number six, because of Jesus' love for us, he tests us, our faith, our willingness to give of our entire lives in worship, in service, in finances, in every possible way. You know, I, I want to close with this. There was a, a rich man who was, he was very distressed because he knew the prospect of his death was imminent. But he didn't want to part from all the things he had in this world. So before he died, he, he, he loaded up a briefcase and he put gold bars in it uh, from his private vault. And he left instructions to have the case locked with a key. And then he, he wanted to have the briefcase cupped to himself in the coffin. And, and he wanted the key to be taped to his other hand. His family carried out those orders absolutely, positively to the letter. When he appeared at the Pyrrhic gates, he had the briefcase with him, key in hand. So St. Peter asked us, what do you have in the suitcase? And very proudly, the man said, and he said, unlocked the case and opened up. He said, I've got gold. St. Peter said, well, great. That's just special. You brought pavement. But where are the souls that you loved into the kingdom? You see, God values not religion. That hung Jesus on the cross. He values relationship. You know, I'm wearing the Dream Court shirt. Bridge Church paid $35,000 so the children at the Boys and Girls Club could have a brand new, fully equipped basketball pro Dream Court. Somebody gave $3,500 as a tithe in faith without the money having been here. But then somebody else came up and said, hey, and somebody else came up and said, hey. Somebody else came up and said, hey. And this church came together to touch lives. I mentioned My360. Our group just got back and they're excited because they saw those children as they washed their feet. They cried and they wept as they put new shoes on those feet and loved on those children that the rest of the world said didn't care, didn't matter. Changed lives. Pastor went to Nepal and went to churches that don't have anything and we send equipment over so they'd have what they need. And this is just a start. This year, we're gonna talk about some other things that are gonna make an incredible difference in our community and in our state. I want you to trust. 
in Christ. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord God, because your word is so rich and so amazing. As we get into it, we see that, that Lord God, you unfold truths that are just like, whoa, there's no way there's a coincidence. This is you going before us the day of atonement and, and becoming the Christ that atones for our sins and sets us free. This is you going before us and saying, yes, it's important that I have your heart because I want you to know that what you can do when you're fully given to me. I want you to see that I want you to be all you were created to be. So Father, today, as every head is bowed, if there's somebody here who wants to say, Lord, I, I just need to follow you more closely. I just need to trust in you. And, and sometimes it's challenging. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's worth it to follow Christ. If you just raise up your hand and said, Pastor Mel, pray for me. Pray that I can get closer to Christ and really trust in, in my relationship and my job in every area of my life. I need to trust in Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Here and online, thank you for those hands. Lord, I, my hand's up. I want to grow closer to you. I want to be like the deer that panteth after the water. And my life is so salted by your truth that I just, I just can't wait to get to the living streams of water. Thank you for each of these hands. Bless them, Lord God you'd put them down. Maybe you're here today and you haven't had that opportunity to have that personal relationship and find out that he's real. If you'd raise up your hand, I want to pray for you as well. I want God to touch you. And I want you to know that there'll be a prayer team up here to pray for you. Whatever the need might be, we know God answers prayer. I could go on for hours telling you the miracles that we've seen. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Oh, 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 oh,